Welcome to the Kingdom Culture Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this spirit-filled message that it blesses your week and brings you joy and perspective. To connect with us, hop on social media and for more information, head to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Come on. Praise God. You can be seated. Awesome. Thank you, team. You're the best. Got your Levi just slapping that bass, killing it, bro. Love Levi. Ho! It's good. Good. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Very good. I see a Chelsea jersey there. I'm very excited about that. Let's, let's, um, let's, let's, let's hang out afterwards. Um, Trent, can you do car park for the next 10 years? Thanks. Um, just kidding. Nothing wrong with car park. Shout out John Richardson. Um, it's good. We're feeling good? It's good. Pastor Jessie's on the desk. She's good on her. Good on her. Go, Pastor Jessie. Up in the tech desk. Up in the land of buttons and energy drinks. It's exciting. Thought that was funnier than it sort of died, but it's all right. It's good to, it's good to have Pastor Dobbins visiting us and a pregnant Dobbin as well. That's exciting. We love the Dobbins and the Smiths, their family to us, and it's exciting. Hey, I better jump straight in because, um, well, my timer hasn't started, but let's pretend it has. Um, we're, I'm doing part four in the James series. Who's been enjoying the James series? Uh, it's been a, a, great, um, a great series. Pastor Rob's preached all of them so far. He's just going for it. Men's brekkies, James 1, James 2. So I thought to start off really quickly. I know it's a Sunday night, but tonight is going to have a bit of teaching. <laughs> I hope that's okay. And um, Cool. Um, and so we're going to do a quick recap. I want to just do a really quick uh, recap of what we've been through. If we could pop that up, uh, that would be great. Um, good on your team. So James part one uh, was Pastor Rob on the first Sunday morning we started this series. He talked to us about trials and temptation, you know, just a nice light start to the series. And uh, he spoke about uh, celebrating trials when they come. Uh, that's a biblical premise. It's also a horrible one. Um, but when it comes, going, man, God's going to teach me something and he's got gold in here for me. And my very present trouble means nothing considering the weight of glory that's ahead. And he spoke about that. Then he spoke about temptation, the way Jesus dealt with it. She gives us a blueprint for how we should deal with it. Uh, and then the, uh, that night, uh, he spoke about the living word, uh, about what living the word out means to us as Christians, not just in church, but when we're in our jobs, when we're in our families, when we're using our money. What does it mean to live the word of God? And then he went into what is true and undefiled religion, which we know is, uh, is giving to those in lack and having a space that's welcoming to all and, and actually caring about the persecuted church and actually caring about people in poverty. Uh, that's an important part of our Christian walk. And so, and then this morning he spoke about just, this is all just, James is a very light book. It's really light topics, you know, it's really, that was funny. Um, so James part three uh, talked about favoritism in the church. Talked about, um, you know, James talks about, he's writing to Christians and he's like, hey, why are you treating the rich people different? Why are you treating them better? You know, and then he starts to actually go after the rich people a bit. If you're in here and you're rich, we absolutely welcome you. But, but what he was saying is, everyone's equal in the eyes of God. Everyone's equal in the eyes of God. And you can take it a step further if we jump back to part two and say, actually, part of being a Christian, non-optional, is caring about those that have less. 
And then he, he finished off talking about the royal law of love. Pastor Rob talked about that this morning, that, that under the new covenant, the law actually brings us into royalty and priesthood, and, and it's an exciting time. So is that all right? Just a quick recap. Um, and we're going to go into part four tonight, um, which is um, very exciting. I'm distracted by these two adorable girls running around. They're amazing. They're preachers. They see the microphone. You've got two preachers on your hands, bro. They're just seeing it. All right, so we're going to talk about tonight. I don't know if Pastor Rob planned this, but I'm pumped because I'm speaking on faith in action. I'm speaking on, well, James is, and I'm partnering with him. But faith in action, uh, what it means to actually link our faith to works. And, and, and it would be easy to go, I've got faith. Not going to do anything with it, but I believe. And it also would be easy to go, I'm going to do a bunch of stuff. I'm just going to do, 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 do. But i got no faith linked to what I'm doing. And so it's talking about here, we, we see a beautiful picture on Eugene Peterson, which we're going to read from in a second in the message, puts it beautifully, the seamless unity of faith and works. Should we pray before we read the Word of God? All right, Father, we thank you tonight for your spirit. I thank you that in the next 26 minutes and 41 seconds, you're going to do something special in the house of God. You're going to speak to us, and we wouldn't just leave uh, having listened to part four of a message, but we will have left being challenged in how to live our Monday to Friday. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. I want to read to you uh, from the message, and I want to warn you in advance a few things. The first thing I want to warn you is, is I didn't write this. So you are not allowed to get mad at me. You're not allowed to get offended. He's dead now. Okay, so you can get mad at James's corpse. Okay, it's not my fault. Um, the second thing is that if this challenges or offends you, it's 100% for you. Uh, so uh, who's excited? Great. So chapter 2, starting in verse 14. It's in the message. We're going to pop it up on our big brand new screen. Here we go. Dear friends, Do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Dang. Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come across an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. How good is that? And the reason why it's good is because we've all been there. Don't look at me like that. I've done it. We've all done it. Where there's a situation, it might not be financial, but it might be someone's going through a breakup and you're just like, I don't want to handle this. Bless you, man. You know, God, he's the prince of peace, dude. But as you're saying that, you're like walking backwards. You're like, you know, Pastor Kimmy can handle this. I don't have, I'm not equipped. I'm not equipped. But that's no good. They need help. They need faith. They need a word from God. And so what does it mean to actually lean in? I just love Eugene. God talk without God acts. Well, it's just outrageous nonsense. (laughs) Page 10. I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. I want to add in there. You You could flip it around. You take care of the stuff and the tasks and the rosters, and I'll take care of the faith. What you mean is, I'm never going to turn up to any roster ever, but I'll be praying when I feel like it. Maybe. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in glove. I love that. Fit together hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back? 
James, passive aggressive. It's rude. <laughs> I'm having a great time. Sitting back as if you have done something wonderful. That's just great. Demons do that. Well, okay, it's getting real passive now. <laughs> Tell us what you really think, Jimmy. Demons do that, but what good is it to them? Use your heads. Do you suppose that for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and might not end up with a corpse in your hands? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works? When he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar, real quick, obedience to God sometimes is massively challenging and makes zero sense. Like once again, this stuff happened. If God was like, me and Anna don't have a child yet, but if we had a child and he was like, hey, just go outside in Mango Hill, build a little like pyre and put your baby on it. Yeah, I know Isaac was older, but just go there. Put your baby on it as a living sacrifice. I'd be like, babe, I think I have a demon that needs expelling. I'm hearing, I'm hearing weird voices. I had bad prawns. And then I kept hearing it. Come on, this is real. This isn't just a story. God was like, hey, do you trust me? Whoa, this is crazy. Place on the altar. Isn't obvious that faith and works are yoked partners. It's beautiful. That faith, ex- Pastor Rob, this series preaches itself. It really does. Anyway. That's not why. Cool. That the works are works of faith. The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes his actions. Your actions are part of your belief system. The way you live is part of your belief system. It's important to know that. Abraham believed God and was set right with God, including his action. It's that mesh of believing and acting that got Abram named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works? What does it mean to be barren that you cannot produce? Come on, I don't want to be a church or a Christian or a husband that cannot produce, that cannot produce the gifts of the Spirit and more importantly, the fruits of the Spirit. That that takes residence in me. I want to be fruitful, amen? The same with Rahab. The Jericho harlot, we're going to come back to that. It is an amazing story. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape that seamless unity? Someone say seamless. Seamless. Of believing and doing what counted with God. The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works, you get the same thing, a corpse. If we as a church remove faith from this building, we will die. If we as a church remove good works from this building, we will die. And so we need to have a seamless unity like Rahab did. And if you just real quick, if you're unfamiliar with that, it's important you know the context because we're going to jump into it. She helped the people of God. But once again, I see the Bible like a movie in terms of I'm like, this actually happened. So this woman who didn't really probably know the God of the Israelites saw something or felt something or talked with someone and heard about something that sparked her faith. And then she put it all on the line in her works and risked everything. You know, we believe in a God that walked on water and died on a cross, but we're nervous to sacrifice $10 a week into the giving bucket because we're like, what if he doesn't come through? So what does it mean to seamlessly unify faith and works? I want to read through some points that I've gotten from this passage of Scripture. And I believe that, church, if we can get this, if I can get this, we're going to see some things happen in our life. We're going to see some things happen in our church. It's no coincidence, I believe, that that giving's on the rise at KCC, that, that the youth and the kids' ministry and the adults and our services, they're growing and they're swelling, but we can't get complacent. 
we can't rest because actually what we're seeing now is not a fruit of right now. It's a fruit of like probably six months ago of where our lead pastors took us. So if we want to keep going the right way, we've got to sow now because what we sow now, what happens later? And so we can, there's actually like, you're not allowed to switch off and that sucks because I'm tired sometimes. But we're always sowing that seed. Another message, another time. Okay, we've got to talk about these points. I have five points I want to go through. Real simple message, faith in action. Faith in action. The first point, if we could put it up, is walk it like you talk it. You know what I mean? Walk it like, anyway. So we're going to walk it like we talk it. And so I'm going to tell you, like, okay, you guys know me. I can only use myself as an example. So I'm not being self-absorbed. I can just, my story is the only one I have. So when it comes to moving in the anointing, that doesn't scare me much, right? So when I'm like, I believe the sick can be healed, I believe that can be healed. When I'm like, you can be spirit-filled, I'll pray for you. When I talk about the rest of God and the patience of God, haven't nailed them yet, have not nailed them yet. But we as believers, whether we are saved a day or we're the senior pastor of a church of 10,000, we have a responsibility firstly to our own soul and to him, but also to the world and our sphere of influence to make sure that our life backs up what we're saying. It is not hard to say, I will never indulge in lust again. But there isn't, who knows, there's an outworking to that. It is not hard to say, I will stop drinking vanilla Coke as to improve my body shape. The outworking, friend, the sanctification of that is an absolute principality and a wrestle. No, we're not in a laughing mood? Cool, we'll stay serious tonight. Great. So I was up in Maryborough uh, at some point, like two weeks ago. It's a long drive. I don't like driving. I don't like being alone. And the pastor was like, yeah, mate, it's like an hour and a half or so up here. It's like three hours in the car. Like, I was like, this is terrible. Do you know what I mean? This is what I'm going through. It's my first world problems, you know? Um, and so I'm sitting in my i with my Apple Play. I'm like, this is hard. And I'm driving up there and I get there. They're having a youth night. Having a youth night, and, and I, didn't, I didn't know what to expect. This is a, a, a pioneering church. It's, it's a bit smaller. Um, and so um, doing real well, like they're growing quickly, but there wasn't much, and this is what to expect. So I walk in. There's about 100 young people on the Friday night in the room. And I'm preaching, and I'm telling them a story about how I got adopted and uh, preaching Genesis. Uh, and this, there's this young man on the, on, the, on the front row over on this side. And he starts off by giving a bit of feedback. You know, you could say he was the Trent of the congregation, but it was good. You know, he's like, come on, amen. But then it, it went beyond Trent and it started to get into, he was trying to like chat to me. And he had a little bit of chewed, you know, I'm like, you know where I grew up? He's like, I don't know, France, Germany, Egypt. I'm like, dude, no, it's like rhetorical as, like, but you're all good. And, and then I keep preaching and I'm like, turn with me to Genesis 15. I said, Luke 15. I was like, turn with me to Luke 15. Oh, I mean, Genesis 15. And he, he's on the front row and he's like, did you make a mistake? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did, bro. Um, so tell me Genesis. And then I'm halfway through telling my story and he's like commenting on everything. And in my subconscious, because when you've preached for a while, you can, you don't switch off, but you can preach and think at the same time. And I'm like, Lord, I hate this kid. <laughs> and no, I did, okay? Because I'm trying to flow in the anointing of the almighty God and he's being a scum naught. And so, and so, no, no, he was. And so I'm preaching and I'm trying to bring heaven and, and, and he just keeps going. But I'm, I'm not a son of the house there. And so, you know, I'm on, I'm on, you know, not in home base. And so I'm just very like, yeah, bro, yeah, totally, yeah, dude. You know, and inside I'm like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, Ananias and Sapphira in the name of Jesus. And so, <laughs> Bible joke. And so I finish and I do an altar call. 
You know, and I'm almost expecting, a, you know, does anyone want a touch of heaven? What's a touch of heaven? You know, but he didn't do that. I said, does anyone want to? And about probably 40 people came to the front. And this kid was at the end. And I was like, I'll get to you at the end. <laughs> and so I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm hopefully not showing any of this on my face, but I'm praying. I'm you know, filled with the anointing. Touch him, God. People are falling over. Some aren't. People are crying. Um, one, one, one young girl, she fell over, started screaming under Jesus, repenting her sin. That's a new one for me. I have not seen a teenager before fall over on their knees and start going, Jesus, I repent, just really loudly saying what was going on in her heart. I'm like, this is awesome. Everyone pretend you can't hear this, though, because it's really personal. But it was amazing what God was doing. And then I get to this guy, and I just knew what would happen. Like, he wouldn't be standing there like ready to receive from an almighty God. He's standing like this. And I'm like, oh, Lord, just give me the fire of like, just give me something. And I felt God tell me to not be loud, to not yell, and to touch him as lightly as possible. And I thought, that sucks. (laughs) But I touched him and I said, thank you, God, in the name of Jesus. My name's Jordan. I'm like, God, I'm struggling. And I'm like, how are you, Jordan? He's like, yeah, all right. And he goes, are you like a Christian celebrity or something? And I was like, I was like, no, 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 I just, just want to pray for you. And now I'm, I'm a two, so now I'm like offended. So I'm like getting, I'm offended by year 10. While I'm meant to be a guest minister, I'm in Maryborough. It's hectic. <laughs> so we talked for like four minutes. And eventually he goes, yeah, look, want, just pray for me real quick. And then I've got to go. I was like, do you? <laughs> cool, man. Places to be at Maryborough at nine o'clock. Sick as. So I pray for him, and of course God does his thing. You see like this? And I say, thank you, Lord, for Jordan. Thank you that you love him. Thank you that his and identity was the word that he wanted. I said, his identity is in you. And he goes, what the heck? Falls over. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> no, no. No, that's not, that's, that's not the point. The point is this message I got from him. Now, we couldn't put it up on the screen because I was late with my notes, but I'll read it to you on Instagram. Hey Fred, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> you did a weird altar thing. I don't know what that's called as I'm a pretty fresh Christian, you know, yeah. <laughs> at the Maryborough Youth Group and you did a preach on me. Didn't do a preach on him, I prayed for him, but he's trying really hard. And I was curious, what does cause the warmth, the peace and the falling over? Because I was sort of, yeah, and then he goes on to say some other stuff, that, but it's fine because he's young. So let's just, but he talks about like being starstruck, but he's not, he's, he's trying to articulate what happened. You see, he didn't give a rip about what I thought was a quite well-constructed message. Some quite good jokes and a bit of levity. He cared that something real happened afterwards. And so we have to make sure that we can walk out the audacious and make no mistake, they are audacious things we say. Hey, hey world, a dead guy who's not dead anymore, he died and he rose that you wouldn't go to a place that we call separation from God. He walked on water, he raised the dead and he loves you and he knows you and he formed you. Do you know what I mean? It's audacious. So if you can't back it up, with some power, if you can't back it up with some reality, if you can't, I love the word tangible, if you can't back it up with, hey, got the tangible presence of God, faith has to be mixed with works, amen? We're gonna walk it like we talk it. Point number two, 
We, we see here that, he can, uh, that James is saying, I can already hear you agreeing, sounds good, you take care of this, I'll take care of that, not so fast, you, gotta, you can't separate them. Point number two is don't divorce that which God has united. We can't divorce that which God has united. And James is writing to these Christians in these churches going, hey, real quick, read this, this is important. Yeah. You see, I, I don't think we've got, we're able to put it up, but, but I had a list here and it was, you know, the old Bill Johnson statement, right? Is it faith or works? Yes. I wrote some more. Is it word or spirit? Yes. Is it victory or are we contending? Yes. Is it Hillsong or Bethel? Yes. Is it excellence or is it freedom? Yep. <laughs> and then I put, is it abs or tacos? You have to choose. You have to choose. Take it from me. You must make a choice. But if you make a choice, commit. So, so what we try and do is we try and separate things within the church. But what, what, what we're really doing is we're creating teams so we can hop on the one that makes us feel comfortable. So all our intellectuals are like, I don't like the Pentecostal stuff, but God is a God of intellect and theology and order. And so I want to be part of a church that focuses on that. And we're not having to go to any other church or any other style. We're just talking about in-house. We believe that the, that the Spirit and the Word of God are inseparable. And so let's not separate things to try and make it more convenient. You know, it's an unfortunate thing in Australia. We've got a lot of Christians that don't like the local church. And what they're doing is they're super spiritualizing their dysfunctional, their offense. And they're going, hey, I think this, I think that, I think, you know, I, and it hurts real. So my heart goes out. I'm not mad. But it's like, hey, actually, bro, you're just really hurting. And that's fair. That's valid. Maybe you were treated poorly. Maybe it did all blow up. But it wasn't Jesus' bride's fault. You were hurt by a person. So let's not write off the revival plan for a nation because a person did the wrong thing. And then we also believed in Galatians 2.20 no longer. I that live, but Christ that lives in you. So dead people can't be offended anyway. I don't have that one down at all. But I'm just saying, this is the word of God. Let's not separate things out for convenience. Point number three, he talks here about that if we try and separate it, it'll lead to being a corpse, right? So my third point is don't be Gary Burke. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm 100% preaching this at a conference just to see what people do. Don't be Gary Burke. Could I have a keyboardist? That would be phenomenal. I know it's a bit early, but I want to give some prophetic words and pray for some bodies and all that. So we don't want to be Gary Burke. Someone say, no, No. Gary. Gary. All right. So Gary... I've changed Gary's name, but Gary uh, is a real person that was in a bushfire in Nevada. And there was a full-on fire, and he lived on this house at the top, and uh, he lived by himself. He wasn't an old, he was like 40 years old, and he, didn't, he was one of those, you know, didn't have a phone, didn't like TV, didn't watch the news. He was a recluse, he loved nature, beautiful. Now, Gary Burke, something went wrong in Gary's life, it's not funny. But this fire started sweeping towards the mountain. But Gary was inside. And Gary doesn't have a phone or a radio or a TV. So eventually Gary notices the sky and goes, oh, I'm in trouble. Like the fire is around the bottom of the mountain. Now he's got this Nissan. And he thinks to himself, oh man, like, 
I'm not sure what to do. My car's out of fuel. My car's out of fuel. And he made the mistake, and this is a bit heavy. He made the mistake of going, I'll get through, I'll, I'll get through, I'll, I'll, I'll get the dogs and I'll like sneak my way through that. I'm sure there's a way I can get through. And he didn't. He died of smoke inhalation on the way down the mountain. Walfred, that's heavy, I know. Now the crazy part is, and this is an old story, but it's true, is after they you know, found his body and had a funeral and the, and the, the, the emergency services came through, they made a horrible discovery. The car, the Nissan, was completely full of fuel. He'd forgotten that he'd filled it up the day before. I know, it's very sad. But that's what so many Christians are doing right now, is we've got a car full of fuel. We've got a God full of power, full of faith. And we might even have that faith, but the outworking is turning the key, getting in, going, let's go, God. You see, we, we, we have a beautiful escape from the life we were in and we have an ability to pick other people up and take them with us. I know it's a simple analogy, but when we try and separate faith from from the church, we throw out the keys and we go, okay, we'll we'll do it it by ourselves. And we try and get through the smoke of life and the smoke of the principalities that are over our region and we're walking along with our five-step program and our comfy lounges and our coffees hoping, well, this will get people through. Now, friend, they need an ignition point. They need power. They need something real. People just aren't, the Western world doesn't, there's so much information. And information is great and I love studying and and all that, but they want something real. And the great thing is you carry it. So don't forget, the tank's full of fuel. And the great thing is you didn't even fill it up. He did. And he'll fill it up again and again again and like Craig said this morning there's always a supply for the things he calls us to come on let's not be like Gary Burke R.I.P. number four make a mutter you know when I was reading through James I've read through it like five times in the last couple of weeks because of our series I was led back to the story of Abraham when he goes to sacrifice Isaac and I'm like this story is insane Like we just read these stories like, wow, and then God provided a ram. Just go in Abraham's head before he saw the ram. Now, you know, and it's pretty specific in the story. Like he's like about to end his son's life and God provides. Why have I put this point as make the mutter? I want to propose to you, friend, if you're a Christian and you're a believer, you should be doing things that are countercultural to the world to the point of people not understanding. Christianity isn't just hard, it's impossible. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know when they go to him, they're like, Jesus, you know, the law and this and that. And Jesus is like, you've heard it said that if you sleep with another woman, you've committed adultery. And everyone's like, yes, right. Yes, I will not do that. He's like, but I tell you that if you even look on a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And everyone's like, oh dear. It's impossible without him, friend. I love dreaming with God because the stuff He puts in my heart freaks me out. I know that it's the same for you. I want to be involved in a gospel where it's like, no, I can't do anything. And if this works, everyone will know it wasn't Fred. <laughs> yeah. We've got to make a mutter. 
whether it's the unsaved or the church. And the funny thing is, when you step out in faith, oftentimes, this is just a side thing, the world's like, cool, man, good for you, bro, stepping out. The church is like, oh, well, we'll see if that works. Won't we, Karen? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, you're going to, to, to so-and-so to change the world? Haven't seen you at my life group in a week. Jesus made religion and the mindset of the world pull this face. I reckon everywhere Jesus went, people were going, what is He doing? Eat my body, drink my blood. Hey Zacchaeus, let's get some food. Oh, it's the Sabbath, we're not supposed to do anything? Hey, check this out, with at hand, healed in the name of me. Oh, you've got blind eyes? Give me two secs. The person he was doing it to was probably like, no. (laughs) Jesus frequently did things that would make people freak out. Even the bit where the the guy, the bit, like it's a story. Even the part where the, the roof was broken in and the guy was lowered down, that's crazy enough. And then he just, Jesus does some cheeky mind reading. Read the story. It's like the Pharisees in their mind thought, who is he to do this? And Jesus is like, you think who I am to do this. I'd be like, what? Are you kidding me? And then he goes, what's harder, to heal him? Or to say your sins are forgiven? But so you know that I got power. Get up and walk. See, he did stuff that made people mutter. I wanna ask you, when's the last time You heard from God something that you were like, ah, ah, ah. When's the last time in your marriage, God was like, hey, do this. And you went to your spouse and were like, hey, um, I think God's saying do this. And they were like, and you were like, no. (laughs) See you in the name of Jesus. No, but but when was the last time? I gotta wrap it up. Come on, we gotta do things that, that, and we're not trying to be antagonistic, real quick. We're not trying to do crazy faith steps just cause. Because if you're doing that to put on a show and try and look spiritual, you will step out and fall on your face. But if you're moving in obedience, God will be in it. His breath, His breath, confidence plug, sacred breath, breath of confidence breathing, will be there. All right, my last point, I gotta finish. Ben, you can come join me wherever you are. Praise God. Is it all right tonight? You having a good time? Come on, it's good. All right, my last point tonight is this. Harlot, hardly. Someone say harlot. Does everyone know what a harlot is? Great. Someone say harlot. Someone say hardly. (laughs) You see, our text for tonight ends with something powerful. Our text tonight ends with something exciting. I love preaching series. Anyway, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. The lady that's referenced in this is called Rahab. And she is referenced as the, as the Jericho harlot. But I, something happens in the next sentence. And I think this is why she should be remembered. I think maybe James has done a little, little cheeky mistake here or maybe he's just generalising or maybe he's just behind the schedule on the writing of the Bible. And, and so he says this, helping them escape the seamless unity of believing and doing. See, I don't, after reading this again and again and again, I don't think of Rahab as the Jericho harlot. I think of her as the woman 
who put everything on the line, who risked house and home, ridicule and finance, because she believed in a rumor of something she'd heard from a people group she didn't know. And that's why I think Eugene says, hey, this is seamless. You know who it makes me think of? It makes me think of the Roman centurion that we talked about the other week who comes to Jesus and says, hey, because you've, you've, you've got authority, because I know who you're under. How crazy is that? And then Jesus says something insane. He said, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Do you realize what Jesus just said? The disciples, my mum, I have not seen faith like this. Why? Because the context was, this guy was going on faith. Why don't we stand tonight? Without logical reasoning, without logical backup, without a plan B, if this didn't work, if on that seventh day, Jericho didn't fall down, Rahab would be like, dang, this was a mistake. Without any backing, without any previous context or history to go off, without a Bible, without a mentor, without a local church, she felt something on the inside of her and said, I'm gonna hedge all bets. I'm gonna put all the cards out. I'm gonna wait for the river. Because God, I don't know you yet, but there's something about your people and I don't like where my life is right now, but I know you are so good and I think you're so real. Who knows when those walls came down, she knew. She knew. And the most beautiful part is that faith in this story, when your faith and actions unify, your history becomes a testimony and your future becomes assured. We don't hear from Rahab really again, but I believe she went on to be with the children of God. And that was the last thing they had to do before they walked into the promised land. Faith got her somewhere. You see, tonight, I believe some of us feel like we've missed out. Some of us feel like we don't belong. Some of us feel like we're not a part of a tribe or a people. But that doesn't come from social backing. That doesn't come from dinner invites. That comes from faith and works. You see, Rahab's story was one of isolation, one of prostitution, one of hurt and pain. But she said, hey, I'm gonna take a chance on faith. Faith works. And it works even better with works when we unify them together. We're gonna sing real quick. We're gonna finish. Um, maybe we could sing another in the fire. Be awesome. Maybe across this place, we could just lift our hands to heaven. All across this place. Just maybe for a minute, Brad, if, if that's okay. Just one minute. I just wanna build the faith in the room and then I'm gonna give some words and then I'll, I'll close up. We can finish the recording there.